Hey, welcome to Life in the Leadership Lane. I'm your host, Bruce Waller, where I get to talk to leaders that are making a difference in the workplace and in our community. What did they do to get started? And what are they doing to stay there? And oh my goodness, I have another special guest today. I'm getting to talk to Julie Birch. Julie Birch is president of Julie Birch Speaks. She's a professional speaker, a comedian. We're going to be laughing today. I just know it. Uh, she's training and development, motivation expert. I could go on and on and on. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Hey, Julie, how you doing? I am great. I'm so excited to be here, Bruce. I feel you, so special. Well, you are special <laughs> and you have something special going on uh, coming up. We're going to talk today about SHRM 22. We have a SHRM conference that's going to be held in New Orleans, June the 12th to the 15th. And you're going to be one of the speakers. You ever been to New Orleans? I am so excited. I have been to New Orleans many times and I love it. Uh, who doesn't love New Orleans? The food, the, the music, the it's just amazing. It's an amazing city. So I am thrilled that I get to do this. So I'll be there for the whole conference and I'm doing a pre-conference session on Saturday and then I'm doing a breakout session on Monday. So it's just going to be a whole Sherm filled New Orleans blowout. It's going to be it's a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait. Now, whenever I start off the show, the podcast, I always like to talk to my guests and kind of reflect about when I first met them or when they came into my path. And for you, Julie, uh, you have been speaking at the HR Southwest Conference for many years, but a highlight for me is, was just not too long ago, as you were inducted into the Texas Sherm Hall of Fame, Speaker Hall of Fame at the HR Southwest Conference. I believe that was in 2017. Do you remember that? It was. It was amazing. How did that feel? Like, oh my gosh. You know, it's as a speaker and I've been, I've spoken at HR Southwest for so many years. So yeah. I'd watched the there. I was, I think the third or fourth one that had been inducted. So I'd watched it before. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting there with a friend of mine, who's a speaker. And we're like, how do you get into that? How do they even, how do you, I mean, I don't even, how do they pick that? No idea how it happened. It was magical. And I had submitted just like I do every year for HR Southwest. And I got an email saying, congratulations, you've been selected. And I about fell over. First thing I did was call my mom. Mom, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. I was so excited. It was the biggest honor I still have because the program for that event that for that year had my picture in the program as the speaker hall of fame inductee and the big keynoter that year was Laura Bush and the picture in the book had me next to Laura Bush I was like stop it and you know who is headlining who's the closing keynote speaker in New Orleans George Bush wow how about I that? Bookends. Ah, ah, I mean, you like drop ah, the mic, right? right? I love I'm that. pretty sure I'm done. Like career over. Bottom oh boom, bottom bang. Look what I did. And I was, I just thought that was so funny when I saw that. It was by far and away the single biggest honor. I could not believe it. I got to do a general session. So it was, it was absolutely phenomenal. The HR Southwest is such an amazing conference. The people are phenomenal. All of those volunteers that put that together, I just, they are the most amazing people. So I was just honored to be considered, to be thought about, to be included in such an amazing thing. So it was, it was quite an honor. I keep, I keep my, my trophy, my award. It's a beautiful glass um, award. I keep it close just as a reminder that I'm serving some pretty spectacular people. 
Yes, you are. And uh, we're going to talk about speaking. We're going to talk about speaking at the Sharem 22 conference. I know you speak about stress. You speak about conflict. You speak about leadership, communication, time management. It goes on and on and on. And we're going to talk about what you're going to speak at the conference. But before we do that, I want to ask you about the Julie Birch story. I would love to know, like, where did you grow up and how in the world did you get into this professional speaking? How did you stumble into this? Like so many people don't even realize it's a job. And I don't think I did growing up. I actually grew up, I grew up in California, which, mm. uh, yeah, but I moved to, I've been in Texas now. I live in the Dallas area. I've lived here longer than I lived in Texas, but I was born and raised in California. And the very first time I've been on stage since I was four years old. My very first time on stage, I was four years old. I was almost four. I wasn't even quite yet four. And I was doing ballet and I was so excited because I had been selected for the Christmas pageant mm -hmm. that I got to be the, I was like the star of the final dance. And it was so exciting. And I was wrapped up. I mean, mind you, I'm like this big, I'm tiny. And my little blonde curls on the top of my head. And I was wearing this little white outfit with a silver tutu. And I was wrapped up in this box. And the only boy in our ballet school uh, danced over to the song, danced over, unwrapped the box and twirled me out. And I was, you know, so excited that I got to do this. And just so happened though, the week before, like the few days before the recital, I got sick. So I didn't get to be there for the dress rehearsal, which means I had never, ever done the dance with people in the audience. So the song plays, he dances out, unwraps the box. I twirl out. And for the very first time I look out and I see an audience and I stopped it dead in my tracks and I started bawling. I want my mommy. And my mom had to come up on stage. There was a picture in the, the little local town I lived in of my mom on stage trying to calm me down. Um, and that was my uh, debut on stage. So it didn't go so well, but I always tell people that that's an indicator that you can always learn. And, but that was it. Once I got past it, I have been on stage ever since. I was in, I was in pageants when I was growing up. And that's, a lot of people think that's cheesy, but it really taught me so many valuable skills. I learned so much. I learned how to interview. I learned how to carry myself. I learned how mm. to communicate on stage to ask, answer impromptu questions. And my mom was always very conscientious about the kind of uh, events I was allowed to participate in. I never did any of them that had a bathing suit, uh, but I did always had to have a talent. That was, if it had a talent portion, then that was when I was allowed to participate in. But even when I was a kid and I started in pageants when I was eight years old, all the other little girls danced and sang. They all sang and danced. That was what everybody did. They always had these really cute little costumes and they would sing and dance. I did dramatic readings and humorous monologues as early as eight years old. And all the other moms would kind of chuckle and say, well, that little girl doesn't have a prayer. <laughs> that never won. <laughs> it was always the singers and the dancers, but I ended up being pretty good at it. And so I actually was the California state queen three times and I was the city queen twice. And so it was my first, who would have known that at eight years old, I was practicing what I would end up doing for a living. And I, I didn't know it at the time, but I suspect that uh, somebody knew and was training me and coaching me from a very young age. So I, I always feel like, how did I get into the speaking business? It really was destiny. I, I was training for it from the time I was a young child. And then actually my mom was a speaker. So mm -hmm. my company now is Julie Birch Speaks. When I first started speaking, my mom was a speaker and she started our business 
before I started. So she wow. started it in, yeah. And I've been doing it 24 years and she started it about six years before I did. And I was doing customer service training internally for a company and my mom was speaking and I called my mom one day and I just went off on the tangent. I was like, you need to do a seminar on this. You need to teach people about this. And she listened patiently and in true mom wisdom and fashion, my mom said to me, why don't you do it? Mm. well I've never thought about that so I joined her and I started speaking and I've been 24 years later she's retired so now it's Julie Birch speaks and who knew wow what a gift later, here I am yeah what a gift by your mom you know yeah. I, um, I I read a lot about people that have success and one of the things they talk about is experiences yeah. right and that's what you had early on you had all these different experiences that has helped you get to where you are today which is going to create incredible experiences for people that come to watch you okay. it's the ripple effect it's the cause the effect we're going yes. to talk about that so let's talk about share 22 this national conference you're going to be speaking and uh the theme is cause the effect i i, right. I want to ask you this question Julie, if someone says, what is cause the effect to you? How would you respond to that? I love, love, love that theme. I think that's fantastic. To me, it's about being proactive. Mm. When I hear that, I think of the effect. I think of that means where are we headed? What's the objective? What's the goal? Where do you want to go? And that maybe starts as a, a dream, a wish, a hope, a thought, but then it's goals. It's substantial. It's where do we want to be? Where do you see yourself in five months, five years? What's the objective? Where are we headed? And cause the effect means that I'm going to take action to get there. I'm mm. not just going to sit back and wait for something to happen. I'm going to take action. And I really believe that every single person that shows up at that conference is doing just that, but it doesn't stop there because they're going to hear all kinds of great speakers. They're going to hear all kinds of great content. Chances are after a spectacular event like that, they're going to leave just on overload, just so excited, so motivated, feeling so good with all kinds of ideas. But the reality is that it, it isn't about what happens there. It's about what they do after mm. that. And so my hope is that the cause, the effect becomes really a mantra of what they're going to do after the conference, because we get to start to determine where do we want to be? Where are we headed? What's our objective? And what are we going to do to get there? That actually links directly, I think, with the idea of the conflict that I, one of my sessions, my pre-conference pre session that I'm doing on Saturday, I call it conflict is war. And you have to come to the session because that's the title is very, there's a reason why that title was the title for this session. But I think that actually links very much to the idea of cause the effect because conflict is one of those things that people really struggle with people. Everybody has it. Everybody has it. Everybody has it at work. We have it at home. We have it in our personal lives. Everybody has conflict. And I think what happens so often is that we sit back and we say, I don't want to make it worse. Mm. I don't really want to say anything. What if I say the wrong thing? What if they tell me I'm crazy? I don't want to, I don't want to cause any waves. I don't want to come into any problems. And people will sit back and their effect, like in their head, they want I wish that person would stop saying that. I wish that person mm. would stop doing that. I wish we could have a different outcome. I want a different effect. 
but they're not willing to cause the effect. They're not willing to step up and speak up. And, and, it, and that really, I think, speaks to what we're going to do in the session is conflict is inevitable. It's what you do with it that makes a difference. And that's one of the key teaching points that we're going to address is conflict is inevitable. It's what you do with it mm. that matters. Um, I, I actually, in the, in the session, without giving too much away, I always start by posing the question to my audience, is, and I do it in a different way, but is, basically, is conflict good or bad? Mm. And it's so fascinating because every, it, you're in a training room, right? So everybody's there, they're there for a session about conflict. And so everybody's got their thinking cap on and they're thinking about learning and training. And so when you say it's conflict good or bad, they're like, well, it's good. Mm. It's so good. Conflict is good. That's how we learn. That's how we get better. That's how <laughs> we improve, right? But it's a it's hilarious to me because in reality, when I when I approach it from a different way, and sometimes it's teaching different topics. If I'm teaching developing your emotional intelligence or dealing with difficult people, you can tell I'm kind of getting excited about this because I just think it's all good stuff. So what happens is that if I ask them, "What do you want to learn today?" People will say, "We want to learn to eliminate conflict." We need to reduce conflict. Mm. It's like, really, if conflict is so stinking good, why are we trying so hard to get rid of it? Hmm. Mm. And I think that's exactly what happens is that conflict has such a negative connotation in our culture. So one of my key, key objectives in that session, mm -hmm. if, people learn, if people learn one thing in that session, I really want them to walk away feeling like we can reimagine conflict. Mm. We're going to reimagine it. We're going to look at it from a whole different perspective so that we don't have to think, well, we need to avoid it. We can't cause the effect because I don't want to create waves. I don't want to deal with the conflict. I don't want to shy away from conflict. I want to know how and when is the best way to, to deal with that. So that's kind of the approach I take. And I loved when I saw what the theme was, I got so excited because I really do think it makes such an impact on what we're talking about. It works so well together. You're like, this is me all the way. I, I so love excited. this. So yeah. conflict is war conflict and confrontational skills for HR professionals. I, I love this. And, and, and one of the questions I was going to ask is why would people want to come to your session? I think everybody wants to come to this session. I will tell you, this is a hot topic, not just in the workplace, but also in the volunteer yeah. space. Oh, yes. Right. Yes. And, yes. and one, of the, one of the things I hear a lot about is where volunteers are there for a long time. And now mm -hmm. new leaders are in and there's conflict on oh, where yeah. do you fit and right. when you said hey sometimes it's like i don't want to go to talk to them but right. man uh, the outcome is always the same i've got to have a tough conversation you know when you talk about volunteers that's something that i think speaks a lot to people in sherm yeah. because so many of the attendees so many of the people that attend these conferences work in their local chapter they work in their local regions they they are they volunteer for conferences i've done a ton of volunteer work i actually was on the national board of directors for the american business women's association mm -hmm. and so but what you said about how how do we sometimes make change? How do we instigate? How do we initiate change? How do I say, I know that that's the way we've always done it, mm -hmm. but I want to, I'd like to look at, a, at it doing something different. Yeah. And I always try to challenge people to, to frame it from if we had never done this before, mm. what might we do? So mm. we're looking, we're sitting in our local chapter and we're saying, okay, we really want to upgrade our chapter. We want to make our chapter even better than it's ever been. We need to stop trying to tweak and start looking at it and saying, okay, let's just pretend we were starting a brand new chapter. 
Mm. What would we want it to look like? So mm. it's really approaching it from a different angle. I was thinking of blow it up, just blow it up. If we were to blow it up and start over, what would we do? And I think sometimes it's getting creative and it's looking for creative solutions. So when you talk about, and that is conflict, but that's a different kind of conflict, right? So conflict can be that this person said something, you're in a meeting and that person said, you said something and it says something rude or sarcastic and mm. hurt your feelings or made you look bad or made you mad. That kind of conflict where it feels more direct conflict or you're fighting with somebody or arguing with somebody about how you want to handle this project or what strategy you think is going to be the best going forward for the organization. But sometimes it's just, how hey, I would like to make some changes. Mm. How do I instigate? How do I initiate? How do I bring up the idea of changes? So I think there's a couple of different kinds of conflict. And I will tell you the single biggest thing that I see, I address it in the session, but without question, it is avoiding until you blow. Mm. I call them volcano people. They're volcano people because what happens is like something happens, they get mad, but they don't say anything. 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 And then one day you go ask them for a pencil and they lose their mind. And it's like, I don't think it's about the pencil. And it's not about the pencil. It's about everything else that they've been bottling up. So I think that the key is that when it comes to how, what not to do, well, it's to not ignore it and hold on to it. You can't just let those things bottle up. You either have to talk about it or you have to let it go. And those are two different things. So, and again, without giving out, giving away too much, I will tell you one of the key teaching points that I, I try to get people to see is that there's two kinds of resolution in conflict. Conflict and confrontation are two different things. Mm. Conflict just means we disagree on something. Confrontation means we have a conversation about that conflict. Right. So there's two kinds of resolution. I think there's internal resolution. That's you learning to get over it. The emotional intelligence It's you working through it. And the external resolution is how do we have those effective conversations? And those volcano people, I think, struggle in that they're they resist. They're hesitant. They don't want to say anything. They don't want to make any waves. They're afraid they'll make it worse. And they tell themselves things like it's not going to matter anyway. They're not going to believe me. They're going to think I'm stupid. They're not going to listen. They're not going to change. It's never going to get better. I don't want to make it worse. I don't want to be ostracized. I don't want to take the risk. So because we don't want to take the risk, we don't ever say anything. But eventually, if you're not letting it go, if you're never getting internal resolution, eventually you're going to, you're going to blow and you're going to go off half cocked. And I always tell people, I don't want you to go in places, like go into that person, guns ablazing, right? Like guns ablazing. I'll tell you what I think about you. I don't, I don't want anybody to do that. I want to train people, give people the tools. So they've got guns in their holster, right? So they can go in armed and dangerous. <laughs> I, use that I was in Boston, Massachusetts. No kidding. This woman was like, she got all pale. She looked at her friend and said, guns? Did she say guns? <laughs> I buzzed out laughing. I said, I live in Texas, baby. Everybody's armed. Everybody's white. armed. I was like, I'm kidding. That's, that's hilarious. Volcano people. That is fantastic. <laughs> yes, hey, if you're listening are. right now, you need to have a pen. You need to have your journal out. You need to be taking notes. This is gonna. This is going to be absolutely fantastic. I did not even think about it when you're talking about uh, conflict and confrontation. Right. I love how you how you split those up and reimagining conflict. Man, there's there's so much good here. I cannot wait for this session. Hey, let, let me ask you this question. You're funny. You're a very <laughs> funny person. You 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 like it's a feel good funny, yeah. right? 
Well, how did you like? How did that <laughs> come about? Like, did you, did you practice that, or because no. because what one thing I've noticed from being in your sessions in the past is that everybody's laughing. Everybody's <laughs> having a yeah. they're they're having a good time, but they're learning. Yeah all these points as well. How, how did that, how did that come about? I'm a big believer that the more they laugh, the more they learn. So mm. if I can keep them laughing, they're learning because they're engaged and they're paying attention. And I like to try to give them, um, uh, I had a friend, a colleague call him phrases that pay the, the things that are memorable, the nuggets that they can take that will mean something, uh, giveaways, little goodies that I can give people that will help them remember the key things that we talk about. Um, so I try to make it memorable. And the, I think that the humor helps so that I, I never have trained in comedy. I feel like it, part of it was a sheer desperation. I grew up in a funny family and I'm not the funniest person in my family. Uh, I joke that I was, I was just voted the third funniest person in my family. And so that, that was great. Number three. Oh. Uh, so I felt good about that. I do think though, that just engaging with people that are funny and I am a student of comedy and that I love watching comedy and it's observational. Uh. I like to think that I'm a comedian, but only in the sense that I'm a speaker. Um, yes. And I, I, I get a lot of people all the time that will say, you should do stand up. And I think <laughs> that would be the greatest job on the planet, right? Like if you, are you kidding? Stand up? Like you could just stand up and make people laugh and you could drink while you do it. <laughs> Stop it. If I could have a glass of wine while I work, I'm down. But I don't think I'm that funny. Like I'm not that kind of funny. I think it's expectations, right? When somebody goes to a training session on conflict, they don't expect to be entertained. They think they're going to learn about conflict. So when you are able to inject some humor, it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, that was hilarious. But if you go to a comedy club and you're sitting there with your two drink minimum, you better be funny. And I don't think I'm that, <laughs> like, I don't think my humor translates. Although I don't know, I'd like to test it with a margarita and see what happens. But I think that's, it's just a different kind of humor. But I do think that it helps you to learn. And it really yeah. truly is just it's my personality. I'm just kind of dorky. And I am 1000% genuine when I'm in front of the room. That is exactly how I am all the time. I'm just, I'm just kind of a goofy person and I like to have fun and I like to laugh at things. And I feel like, you know, if I can, if I can just be myself when I'm up there, then that's what I want to do. I'm not probably going to be the most, um, maybe not the most polished speaker, uh, but I'm, I am definitely me. I heard, um, I used to be really active. I was in National Speakers Association, which I know you're familiar. And um, one of my mentors in the business, one of my dear friends, somebody who changed my life as a speaker uh, was uh, Joe Calloway. And when I first met Joe Calloway, I met him when he came and spoke at North Texas Speakers. And he, I will, I don't even remember his topic. I don't remember most of what he said, but what I will never, ever for long, as long as I live, forget is that he said that you have to be authentic in the front of the room. And he said, you know, they say that polish, you're not supposed to put your hands in your pockets when you speak. And he's like, Pfft. and he put his hand in his pocket. He's like, sometimes you got to do it. And mm. I remember watching him and I remember thinking, yes, I need to stop trying to look at how everybody else is doing it. And I need to just be authentic and be true to me and be who I am in the front of the room. And that's the most genuine thing that I can do. And it was really Joe Calloway. And ever since then, Joe and I, I just, I can call him. I can ask him questions when I need to. And he just, he made such an impact on my life. I don't know that he even knows how much of an impact mm. he made on me in that one moment. 
Mm. But you just never know when you're standing in front of an audience, who's going to hear your message, who's going to, who you're going to touch in a way that you never expected. And so that's kind of my goal. I love that. I have, uh, I've got chills that, that, that's fantastic. And uh, for those listening, uh, the more you laugh, the more you learn, write that down. I love that. Let me, let me ask you, Julie, when your session's finished, like, I know you said you had a couple of different sessions you're speaking at, but when you get done with each session, what are you hoping the attendees will come up and share with you? Well, I hope that they will come up and say that they're motivated to take, to take action, that they're motivated to do, to do something on what we talked about. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's not teaching people something new. Sometimes it's not about having somebody in your audience say, oh my gosh, I've never heard that before. I actually generally prefer, I've never heard it that way before. (laughs) I've never heard it explained like that. And I want them to take action. I I will say this in in my session, and I say this in a lot of my sessions, which you may have even heard me use this, but I talk about that for any of us to learn, to grow, or to develop, to move one step closer to our own personal definition of success, you have to have two things in place. You have to be willing and able. The willing side of it is the self-esteem side of it, right? It's the willingness to do it. The able side of it are the action steps. I can give you action steps all day long, but unless you're willing to implement those action steps, then the the, the able is not going to help you. And so my hope is that I give each audience a little bit of willing and a little bit of able so that they can take the nuggets that are relevant to them that will make a difference for them and that they leave with the nugget but the willingness to apply it Mm. and that to me is huge it's are you willing to try what i'm saying are you willing to to give it a shot willing to implement the, the steps and the techniques and i try really hard in my sessions to give tangible takeaways i'm not i'm not a, a theoretical speaker like i don't come in and just give you like big ideas <laughs> like big big ideas that you have to then decide change the world yes you got to figure out how does this relate to you <laughs> i'm all about say this honey trust me this yeah. will work right <laughs> when they say that you say this <laughs> so i really I want to give them real world things that they can take and they can use without having to theorize and figure it out and marinate on it for days and have to come up with their own solution. I want it to be super tangible, super easy to apply, real world things they can take and they can use. And that's true in both my sessions. So in conflict, when I talk about reimagining conflict, but also I give lots of very specific words and phrases, do's and don'ts. These are the things to say. These are the things not to say. Don't do it this way. Do it this way. This is what you want to say. So I try to be very specific so that the people in the audience are like, right, okay, slow down. I want to, you know, because I want you to feel like you've got the words that you can, you can use. My other session I'm actually doing is what I call my crash course to effectiveness. So it is a productivity session. When you started, you said, I need all these topics. And I always kind of feel like that sounds kind of crazy. Like, geez, how many topics do you teach? And, I, I, and I'm not a jack of all trades. Everything that I do, I really feel like kind of, it, they all work together because it all is about, ultimately it's about productivity, right? So it's how do we get the most? And that's what I always say, my, my company really, our company focus It's about getting the most value out of your most valuable resource. Mm. And that's your people. 
Mm. So how do we work with our people so that we give them the skills to be more effective, efficient, and productive? And that means how do we help them communicate more assertively and effectively? How do we help them handle difficult people, the conflict and confrontation that's inevitable? How do we help them with their stress and their time Mm. so that they're better equipped to to be more effective, efficient, and productive? So they all kind of work together. And really, they all have kind of evolved in that way. Like over the 24 years I've been doing this, you know, you start with one, like this is my, this is how I got into it. But then somebody would call you and say, hey, well, what about this? Well, yeah, that relates to that. I can do that. And so it just kind of starts, you start to find your your niche. You start to find where you fit. And I don't fit everywhere. I have I have turned down, turned down many presentations, referred colleagues to other things because it's not my area. So I'm a big believer in that, that we really, you know, I want to give people things that they can take and that will help them. And it's the same thing when I look at productivity, it's what are some specific real world things that will help you make better decisions, prioritize more effectively and get the most out of your day. You know, we used to call it time management. You know, that was like the big, that was huge. I mean, that was a huge, right. I taught it for years. I remember taking the uh, time management courses, you know, with the, uh, all right, put a A, B, C, or D, one, two, three, four, the the Franklin Covey system. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much work in this. Hey, I want to ask you this though, because I'm glad you pivoted to this. And this is kind of the uh, the, the the last part I want to talk about was you put a quote on LinkedIn. That's one of the things I also enjoy about having the podcast. You know, it forces me to go out and, and do some research, right, about right. these great people that I have on the podcast. But you put a quote on here by James Clear in Atomic mm-hmm. Habits, and you said you love this quote, and it mm-hmm. says, "More effort is wasted doing things that don't matter than wasted doing things inefficiently." Yes. Elimination is the highest form of optimization. Uh, I would I would love for you to talk about that. And, and I'm going to be taking a lot of notes here too, because I, I need to eliminate some things in my life here. Right. Well, I mean, I th- it's, to me, it's just genius. It's brilliant. I, yeah. There's a difference between being effective and being efficient. Um, Timothy Ferris talks about this in the four hour work week and yeah. it efficient versus effective. Efficient Uh, and effective. Effective is doing the things that get you closer to your goals. Now, remember, we're in an environment where we're constantly transitioning. We're constantly growing. You can't be stagnant. Whatever got you to where you are today, whatever those skills, those those things you did that got you where you are, are not necessarily going to be the same things that are going to keep you moving forward. So we have to constantly be evolving. It's not about change management in the context of one change. We got to get through this change. Got to get through COVID. That's not how it works. It's getting yourself in the mindset of constant evolution. And if we truly embrace that, then we have to be looking at what are the things, the projects, tasks, and assignments that you do every day that that are effective, that are high dollar, that are valuable, that are moving you in the direction of your goal, as opposed to, and this is what so many people get stuck in, is we get stuck in efficient. Efficiency, efficient, is about doing those projects or tasks that you do because you can do them quickly or you can do them easily. Whether they're important or not, whether they're valuable or not, you can do them quickly. Think about how often we all have done it. How often people in the, at work will say, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and do this because I knock it out in five minutes. This will just take 10 minutes. Let me just get it up the list. I can just knock this out in 10 minutes. But when are we going to start asking, is this truly an effective task? When is this true? Is this truly the best use of my time 
right now. And it really is a mindset shift moving from just doing things that we do efficiently and doing things that we've always done, because that's what it is. That's what James Clare is talking about is we do things because we've always done them. And then we get into leadership and we still do the same things. And then we tell the people that are now, you now have to do the same things. And we're doing all this work that's redundant and unnecessary when we really need to be focusing in on the things that are of true value. Um, I think that that is really the essence of understanding true effectiveness is about elimination. It's about looking at what are the things you're doing that you don't need to do anymore. And we get really attached, emotionally attached to the things we do. And that is one of the biggest uh, problems, the biggest roadblocks to our effectiveness is that we spend our whole day doing stuff that really isn't actually that relevant or important. And when we can start looking at things and start looking for effective versus efficient, the things that are valuable rather than things that we do quickly, we will start to shift in our results, our return on investment of time. And that's kind of the key. And so that's why I love James Clear so much because what he said, it's, yes, that's what I've been trying to say. That's good <laughs> that is so good. It's hard to get people to see that though. I, I want people to hear that that message. And I know there's people right now thinking, man, I need to really meditate and focus on that and and see where, where am I spending right. my time? Is it taking me closer to my goals where I'm trying to go? Or if it's not, you know, does it really matter? And I, I love how you showed that. Hey, I want to I ask this uh, question. I told you the time was going to fly. Uh, but it I always does. like to ask about advice and typically I'm like, give me your best advice, but oh, I want, I want to turn this up just a little bit because you're, I mean, you're a hall of fame speaker and I, I want to ask you, there's some people probably listening that, Hey, they want to, they want to be a better speaker or uh, the question I have for you is, have you, you know, have you ever been given any advice? I know you, you mentioned some advice you got from Joe earlier uh, with being authentic, but, but any advice that, that you find yourself sharing with people that, you know, they say, you know what, I want to, I want to try to learn to be a better speaker. And, and it may, maybe, or it may or may not be for a career, but just to be a better speaker and and to, to do that. Any advice you would share with them? I have two things I would say. One is, that I have people all the time that come up to me and say that I could do what you do. I want to do what you do. <laughs> and my friends tell me all the time, I can just talk and talk and talk and I could talk for hours. And I just know I could be a speaker because I can just talk and talk and talk. And that's awesome. Uh, but being a really good speaker isn't about talking for hours. It's about getting people to listen for hours. Mm. So it's paying attention to are you communicating information that is valuable and relevant to them? It's not just to hear your own voice. It's, is this relevant to the audience? So anytime you're speaking, you have to put your audience first. If it, it's not about telling the audience everything you know about a topic, it's telling the audience what the audience needs to know about the topic. And so that's, that's the first thing is about focusing in on what's relevant and what's important. And that will make you better. The second thing that I tell people all the time, because people say the flip side of that is, I don't know if I could ever do it because I just get so nervous. And I tell them, holy cow, I get so nervous. I am always nervous. I get nervous, but I do it for a living. I get nervous every time. I said, I get butterflies in my stomach, just like everyone else. I said, the difference is my butterflies fly in formation. So it's about channeling your energy. Um, Way too often people think that they're not good at it because they're nervous about it. Yeah. And I challenge people, 
Uh, and I really do. And I guess I'm challenging a lot of other speakers when I say this, but speakers who say they never get nervous, I think one of two things, either they're lying or they're not a good speaker. They may think they are, yeah. but they're probably not because the nerves are just energy. It's, it's yeah. showing you care, it's emotion. So it's channeled and it's, you focus, it's focused energy. But I think that the misconception that you can't be good at something if you're nervous about it. You know, there's a lot of, you hear stories all the time about famous quarterbacks in the NFL who throw up in the walker room before they yeah. go on the field. Yes. Just because you're nervous doesn't mean you can't do it. So you just got to get your butterflies to fly in formation and focus on the audience rather than yourself. And you will change your message. And I think that's the key. I love that. I love, love, love everything you said there. I absolutely, I get nervous every time I speak. I get nervous before I come on the podcast. I yes, mean, come on. It's like, it's exciting and nerve wracking. And right? oh, there's so, it's emotional roller coaster. But at it the end, you're is. like, what a great right? experience. That's serving best, people right? with yeah. what you what you do oh my gosh this has been so much fun i cannot yeah. wait show 22 coming up june the 12th to the 15th uh get yeah, registered i'll put the link in the show notes and when you're there or you can sign up virtually uh be sure and check out julie birch's sessions yeah it's, uh, it's gonna be fantastic if, i cannot wait if your listeners are interested they're going to sherm if they're okay. going to be going okay. to Sherm. I feel like we've got a website. deal going on here. Julie. Yes. Go to juliebirch.com slash Sherm events, mm. juliebirch.com slash Sherm events. There's a ticket. You can download it. You can print it if you're so inclined. Uh, but if you bring that to me at either one of my sessions, Saturday on June 11th, we're going to do the conflict is war. That's the pre-conference session Monday. Uh, from 3.30 to 4.30, we're doing the time management, our productivity session, our crash course to effectiveness. You will bring me that ticket to either one of those sessions. Just show it to me on your phone, print it everyone, but bring it to me and show it to me. Um, uh, you will get a free webinar as part of my webinar series, and you'll get in a drawing for the whole webinar series uh, that you can get free. So take advantage of that, bring it to me, and also mm -hmm. bookmark that page because I'm going to be uploading onto that page all kinds of bonus stuff for all of the Sherm participants. So they'll have a place to go that they can get follow-up information. They can get the handouts. They can get the slides. They can get all the stuff that they want at that website, that, that page. So mark, bookmark it, write it down, grab it, and come see me. Come talk to me. I'll put that link in the show notes. The golden awesome. ticket. You've golden got ticket. to download Just the like golden ticket. I'll be bringing you, bring you my candy. ticket. I mean, I'm in the game here. Yeah. Uh, hey, I do want to spend last uh, few minutes on this time to accelerate. I just like to ask a few fun questions. And first okay. question I like to ask is, and you're pretty busy. Do you, do you would you rather like read a book or, or listen to a podcast? I'm curious. I do both and it totally depends. It really does depend on what I'm doing. I love podcasts because I listen to them when I'm driving. I listen yeah. to them when I'm getting ready. I listen to them when I'm cooking dinner. So those are things I can listen to, but I, I also love to read. I love to read in the evenings. I like to sit and read. And mm. so I like both for different yeah. things. Yeah, so it depends on that. what I'm doing. I like them both. So Not you're you're a very, very energizing person. I'm, I'm energized just talking to you, Julie. I am 90 uh, miles let, an hour. Let me time. ask you this. Besides, like when you're not speaking and working and, and, and really helping people in the workplace, what, what energizes you outside of that? What do you like to do? Wine. Um, no. Um, actually, my, my husband and I are, I love to camp. 
Hmm. And we have an, we have an RV, so I don't really camp, I glamp. And we have an awesome, awesome camper. And I love nothing more than taking my husband, Hank, and my kitten, Merle Haggard, uh, and going Merle out. Merle Haggard? Merle That's Haggard. She's a girl. We thought she was a boy. Surprise! Merle's a girl. <laughs> so we have my husband, Hank. I know it sounds like a country song, doesn't it? <laughs> I hang out with Hank and Merle. And I just love, I love for us when we can get out, we get away. I feel so disconnected and it can be going someplace, you know, out broken bow out into the country by the lake. It can be going to the casino. I love, love, love take the camera to the casino. And we do that. So that to me is my favorite. That's my, Mm. my favorite decompressing time. Yeah. And the other thing besides being with Hank and Merle is I have, the most amazing nieces. I have five nieces and I have one on the way due next week. Next week. How about that? Oh and I my love goodness. my nieces to the moon and back. So uh, anytime I get to spend with them is also priceless. That's fantastic. I love that. I appreciate you sharing that. Hey, uh, this is the last question I, I want to ask you today, Julie. And, and it's like one of my favorite questions. And so I want to ask you, Julie, 10 years older is around the corner knocking at your front door. And you're going to go answer that door. What's she going to say to you? (laughs) She's going to say, don't go see the movie, The Birds. (laughs) I am definitely afraid of birds. And it's because of that stupid movie. If somewhere along the way, somebody had to warn me, I'd have been a happy camper. Uh, (laughs) uh, I I would say that make sure that I'm staying focused on what's truly valuable, what, Mm. what my true priorities are, and don't allow myself to be derailed to stay focused on the things that really count. My family, my husband, my kitten, my, my nieces, my family, stay, stay focused and don't allow those things to be replaced by the busyness and the minutia of the world. Um, I talk about walnuts and rice in my productivity session. And I think that would be the biggest key is make sure you're staying focused on what really matters. Sometimes the best thing that you can do for your business and for your life is to say no. I love that. Every single thing you said about that. I am just so grateful for you coming on to the show today and sharing your incredible wisdom. I've been, for those who are listening right now, go watch the video. I've been smiling for 30 straight minutes. (laughs) Uh, This has been absolutely fantastic. You're you're incredible. I cannot wait for Sherm 22. Hey, uh, you mentioned your website. I'd love for you to do that one more time. Okay. If someone wants to connect with you, is that the best way? Uh, yes. That again. Yes. You can, you can connect me through that. You can also, you can of course email me. My website is juliebirch.com and it's okay. B-U-R-C-H. So juliebirch.com. If you want to go to the Sherm events page, it's juliebirch.com forward slash Sherm events. And you can always just email me. My email address is so easy. It's julie at juliebirch.com. So I'm pretty easy pretty easy to find but you can always connect to me through my website so and, just juliebirch.com will get you there and download that golden ticket and bring yes, that to julie at the conference i cannot wait we're gonna do some conference. free stuff it's we're been a lot of fun. fun i appreciate you and I, I appreciate our friendship and i can't wait to see you in new yeah. orleans thanks for coming on looking forward to it thank you so much for your amazing thank you for all you do you're thank welcome you. I, I can't wait to share this i'll talk to you later Sounds good.